Okay, uh, today we, we're beginning our second uh, lesson in the series, The Power of Forgiveness. The Power of Forgiveness. And so um, I'd like to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning verse 14 and 15. This is the scripture reference that we're going to have for this particular lesson. You do have fill-ins, and so I invite you. I will, I will do my best to remember which, each time that they're there and, and ask you or tell you about them. Uh, verse 14, chapter 6, book of Matthew. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that's our scripture reference and setting for tonight, today. Many times uh, in, in, in Christian circles, at least we pay, we pay what I call lip service to the idea of forgiveness without honestly dealing with some of the objections that people raise. We are prone to tell only one side of the story. We talk about the benefits of forgiving and the benefits of forgiveness without mentioning how hard it can sometimes be to truly forgive those who have wronged us. Amen. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever heard a sermon that made a strong case against forgiveness? No. Have you ever heard a spiritual advisor counsel a victim by saying something like this? What happened to you is so awful that you would be a fool to forgive. Well, no. Or maybe they might say, it's all right to hang on to those feelings of bitterness and hurt for the rest of your life. You deserve it. No, we don't. We, we haven't heard that. And no pastor would ever advise someone to do that for their own good. Right? And yet, that's exactly what most people choose to do to themselves. Most people choose to hang on to an offense until it adversely affects them. That is what we're going to look at today. The reason we hold on to these feelings is because we build up a rationale, a mindset against forgiveness among within our own self we put it together man we piece it together we've got it all logically one piece by piece and and the case seems just perfect and airtight but deep down and instinctively we know that that it doesn't sound really convincing to anyone else and so instead of doing that and, and rather than voicing them we simply do this we sum up all of what we're feeling and all the things that we're dealing with with one conclusive statement, and here it is. This is what most people say. I can't forgive. The real issue many times is not that we can't forgive, it's that we think we shouldn't have to forgive. <coughs> Pardon me. After all, if we are the victim, why should <coughs> Pardon me. we have to do something that is uncomfortable for us, right? Why should our offender, here we go, be allowed to get off scot-free, right? So uh, how about this? This is a little bit of an abstract thought, but what about, let's take forgiveness today and let's put it on the trial, on the witness stand, and put it on trial, and let's weigh the evidence for or against forgiveness. All right, let's do that. 
So the first thing out of the, out of the box is this. Are there, le- <coughs> are there legitimate reasons why I shouldn't forgive? Are there times when not letting an offender off the hook is the right option? And am I justified in feeling the way that I do? So we're going to get started here. Remember, forgiveness is on the, on the witness stand and, and we're, we're holding a trial to decide whether to be for or against forgiveness. So in your first fill in, here it comes. Forgiveness we're looking at why we shouldn't forgive. Forgiveness denies the seriousness of sin. The seriousness of sin. Well, I can't forgive them because that would deny the seriousness of the sin that they've done. So I can't forgive because that would be conflicting to the word of God. I've heard that before. Many people believe that by forgiving, we are denying the severity of an offense that happened to us. Basically, some people think that if you forgive, what you're saying is that the the offender did something wrong and it it didn't really matter. It didn't matter at all. Now, most of these same people would agree that that, that there are a lot of offenses that come to us and you would agree that that are just real petty, right? Uh, There are little things that, 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 that we should overlook. Maybe someone forgot to uh, say happy birthday to you on Facebook. Yeah, I can't believe they, everybody else was saying happy birthday to me. I know they read it. That's just overlook that. Come on. Or you're talking and someone interrupts you. Or, or someone says, hey, I'm going to call you right back. I got to go, but I promise I'm going to call you right back. And six years later, you're still waiting. On that call. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You see, the Bible talks about this kind of thing. Proverbs 17 and 14, the Bible says, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it it be meddled with. (laughs) And it also says in, in chapter 19, verse 11 of Proverbs, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Hmm. So what is, what is Solomon telling us here in the book of Proverbs? Psalm, Solomon is telling us that a, a wise person, a smart person, someone like yourself and your neighbor that's sitting beside you, is one who doesn't make a federal case out of every injury, injury they expect in, or they experience in life. Now, some of them might be small. They are very painful, though, right? I mean, how many of you have ever had a paper cut? I mean, that's as little as you can get, but boy, it doesn't feel good, does it? Are you dealing with, with a sheet metal or some like, like, like flashing, tin flashing? I mean, you just look at it wrong and you'll get cut. I mean, it's, it's, some, it's like crazy. It's like a miracle. There's a piece of flashing laying on the ground. If you look at it hard enough, you're going to start blood to start coming off the tip of your finger. No, I'm just playing. I'm just saying, you know, <clears throat> some of these are small, but they're hurt. So, <clears throat> but those things we, we need to overlook. Someone interrupted you. Someone forgot your birthday, whatever. Just, you know, it's okay. What about, what about major offenses? Again, we're, 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 we have forgiveness on trial here. They shouldn't be overlooked, right? Should they? I mean, is it possible to even treat every offense the same way? Hmm. You see, forgiveness does not trivialize our pain, doesn't make it trivial. 
Just as God doesn't make our sins trivial. Actually, some people believe that when God forgives us of our sins, he overlooks our sin. But that isn't what the Bible teaches, ladies and gentlemen. In Nahum 1 and verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds or the dust of his feet. Let me, let me, let me, let me translate that for you. God's mercy doesn't override God's holiness and he doesn't casually declare that sinners are suddenly righteous or that serious offenses are suddenly uh, inconsequential. No, our sinful offenses, the things that we do that are sinful against God demand payment. And that payment took place in the agony of Calvary. Amen? It didn't go unpaid for. It took place. Now watch, if a, so, so if a perfect God finds it impossible to just overlook sin against, that's against him, how could he, remember, we're, 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 we're on, we have forgiveness on trial today. How could he expect you and I to just overlook the serious hurts inflicted by others against us? So we think that, you know, uh, forgiveness um, denies the seriousness of the sin, right? Sin creates an obligation when, and someone has to pay. I mean, if forgiveness is going to simply just wipe over or gloss over the serious wrongs that have been done to you or to me, then I shouldn't have to forgive. Or should I? Forgiveness lets people off the hook way too easy. Amen, somebody? There's your next fill-in. Forgiveness lets people off the hook way too easy. How many of you believe that? It's awful quiet. Oh, well. That's all right. One of the most basic hindrances to forgiveness, I believe, is the fear of further abuse. We have a legitimate concern that forgiving our offender will give him or her permission to perhaps and possibly hurt us even more deeply. And I know I'm dealing with a very tender subject today. But God wants us to be healed and to be whole. That's the will of God, our heavenly, our heavenly father is to be healed and to be whole. No one can do that other than him. But I have to let him do it, right? Right. But sometimes we have this legitimate fear. I think Peter might have been wondering about that in the Bible because in Matthew 18 and 21, the Bible says, then came Peter to him talking of Jesus. Then came Peter to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Now, we like to come down hard on Peter, but, but you need to have a little backstory here uh, because we don't want to come too hard on him for not knowing that there is no limit to forgiveness, right? I mean, ask yourself this personal question. 
How many times am I, someone say am I, willing to forgive a person for committing the same serious offense against me? From that viewpoint, Peter seemed pretty quite generous when he said seven times, didn't it? And, and, and a little more, a little deeper backstory is that one of the most popular rabbis during Peter's day taught that you forgive people three times for the same offense. So Peter is offering more than twice the going rate of forgiveness. But he still believed, and do, as do we, that there surely must be a limit to prevent ourselves from being taken advantage of. So, if forgiveness is just going to carelessly let people off the hook and allow them to do it again, then should I shouldn't have to forgive. Or should I? Your next fill-in, number three. Forgiveness places too much responsibility on the victim. We're, again, we're... We're, we're, we're discussing here in this trial of forgiveness, we're discussing whether or not uh, we should forgive or not to forget. Forgiveness places too much responsibility on the victim. I think I can make uh, a rather convincing argument, or someone could, uh, for, to the fact that asking victims who have been offended and seriously hurt to let go of their pain... And, den- and to deny their desire for justice is really just placing too much responsibility on the person who's offended and not on the offender. In other words, blaming the victim instead of the victimizer. Let me, let me put it in, a, in an analogy that we can probably all understand. It's... That kind of ideal maybe perhaps seems similar to coming across uh, someone who's been uh, physically in a hit and run. They're a hit and run victim and, and, and slowing down just enough so they can hear what you say and tell them to take care of their own injuries while you go tell the driver of the car, it's all good, don't worry about it, keep on going. Kind of puts it in a whole different light right there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't it unrealistic to place forgive, the forgiveness burden on the victim of the wrong? Is it logical to expect them to be able to let go of serious hurts? I mean, aren't we asking when we say, just let it go, deny the desire and the revenge, the, the passion to get even, just let it all go? I mean, I mean, are we asking them to do the impossible? Getting a little, getting a little, little real here this morning, isn't it? But we're, we're looking at reasons why we logically say, well, there's, I, there's certain things that I shouldn't forgive about. The word of God gives us distinct impressions that he, God doesn't exempt us from things just because they are unfair or perhaps difficult. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 41. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He said, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whomsoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, 
turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Mm. Is it reasonable for God to expect this from you and me? I mean, just from face value, it doesn't seem right that a victim would have to struggle for years to get victory over something that that they didn't cause or they didn't deserve while the offender just goes on with life as though nothing ever happened. See, if forgiveness is going to place such a heavy burden on my shoulders, then I shouldn't have to forgive. Or should I? Or should I? Your next fill-in, number four, forgiveness is unfair. Another reason why we argue against forgiveness. Forgiveness is unfair. Gradually, this morning, from the beginning to this point, gradually, you and I have considered these, what we think to be legitimate objections to forgiveness, right? We have considered these this, this morning. And, and in, so, in so doing, we have inadvertently uncovered the bottom line argument, I believe, that all other objections to forgiveness are based upon. And here it is. Forgiveness is unfair. How many believe we're creating the image of God? Mm-hmm. In regards of how badly that image has been marred by sin, we still retain a sense of, uh, of fairness among us, within us, right? When we see a wrong committed, most people uh, in- instinctively know that it's not right and it's wrong and and, 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 and wrong is just not right for wrong to go unpunished. And isn't there something fundamentally unfair in letting our offender go free without any consequences? And if forgiveness is essentially unfair, then I shouldn't have to forgive. Or should I? So let's, now that we've argued why we shouldn't forgive, let's, 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 let's define forgiveness. I believe that all the things that we've talked about so far maybe perhaps come, come to us from a basic misunderstanding of the concept of forgiveness. And I want to move a little bit quicker now. Before we define the word biblically, let's state what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying the reality of your pain. Forgiveness is not letting your offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not blaming you the victim. Forgiveness, it is not unfair. Right? Romans 9 and 14, what shall we say then? If there unrighteousness, is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. He answers the very question he asked. He said, God forbid. If forgiveness is none of these above, then what is it, right? The Greek word that's translated forgive carries the idea of a release from some type of obligation. And we see an example in the Bible with regard to this, like a financial obligation. And, and, and Jesus said in Luke 7, 
41 and 42, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So, so, so in this story in the Bible, the person who loaned the money chose to release both of the debtors from their, from their very, very real obligations, right? They, they owed money and it just wasn't something in their mind. They actually did owe money and the man who loaned them the money, he, he forgave them. Now he had a legal right to be repaid, right? Exactly right. He was the innocent party. He had loaned the money and it, it, with an agreement to be repaid. Yet, yet the borrowers had no, um, you know, they, they, they didn't have the, the, the means to do it. And so the, the rule of accounting in this story says that the books have to be balanced. And the greatest misunderstanding, ladies and gentlemen, about forgiveness is that it is simply overlooking someone else's transgressions the truth of the matter is that someone always has to pay because an offense always creates obligation that must be satisfied all right let me put all that into an illustration for you let's say so uh you're there and you get rear-ended in your car at a stoplight and when you get out and take a look you man you think this is this is gonna cost me some money right here to get this fixed and you're standing there and you're you're not happy you're 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 a little upset all right you're with me and a little little old lady gets out of the other car and begins to cry and weeps and between the sobs she tells you a story that she's a retired missionary who's who has limited resources and and her insurance is expired and and, and, and compassion moves upon you and you tell her, you know what, ma'am, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I, I'll, t- I'll, take, I'll take care of it. You forget it. And th- so the next day you take your car to the repair shop, Brother Bill, and, you, and the guy walks around with his clipboard and, and his calculator and he adds it all up and says, well, it's going to cost you $2,000 to get it fixed. Question, who's going to pay for the repairs? You are, right? So you let the driver, the little lady, off the hook. Now watch. The offense created an obligation that must be satisfied. It's a very important point right here. She couldn't pay it, but it wasn't just going to just evaporate into thin air. It wasn't just going to just be gone. You decided, I'll cover it myself. That's a huge, huge point in this series on forgiveness. So on your book and your paper there, it says, when we forgive, we acknowledge that a wrong has occurred. We acknowledge, this is your word. We recognize, there's your second word, that there is an obligation for repayment. And third, we choose to release our offender from that obligation and to cover the loss ourselves. So we acknowledge, recognize, and choose. Acknowledge, recognize, choose. Okay, let's just be honest right here, right? Most, if not all of us in this room have no trouble with those first two. We have no trouble acknowledging that there was a wrong. And we, we, we have no trouble recognizing that there's an obligation for repayment. 
It's that third and final one that, that trips us up more often than not, right? It's that, that stumbling block one, that number three of forgiveness. Why should I have to suffer the consequences myself when there are many reasons why I shouldn't forgive my offender? So here's that story back in the Bible with Peter, right? Peter says, hey, a brother offends me for the same thing. How often should I forgive him, Lord? Seven times? And you got you to give Peter credit because we know the backstory, right? The, the teaching of the day, the rabbi said three times, and Peter's doubled it up, more than doubled. And so, I mean, Peter's feeling, you know. And, and so here's Jesus. He responds to his question, Peter's question about forgiveness. And, 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 and here's what he, he says. And Jesus says unto him, Matthew 18 and 22. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And Peter's like, whoa, there's some false doctrine being taught down the road. And I can just see Jesus and all the crowd that was around him. And he heard what Peter had asked Jesus. And then he, then they all heard Jesus' response. And so I see Jesus pausing for some, 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 some impact of his statement and letting it settle in on the minds of those that were there listening. And, and, and then Jesus begins to relate this, this, this story to drive his point home. And I want to relate it to you right now. It's in Matthew 18. 23 through 27. Jesus said this. He said, therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would have take account of his servants. And when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to, to be sold and his wife and his children, all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down Worshipped him and saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Verse 27. Jesus said, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Wow. Someone had to pay for it. And the Lord covered the payment, didn't he? The servant had absolutely no way to make even a small dent in the 10,000 pence that he, that he owed. He had a huge debt that he owed. And he, all he, he asked, he didn't ask for, for, the, for it to be wiped clean. You know what he asked for was just a little more time. If you give me a little more time, I'm going to work hard and I'll, I'll do my best to, to repay that. But, 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 but here he is, he's pleading his case for, to the king. He's trying everything he can. And I mean, it's a sad picture up to this point, isn't it? But then listen to what the king does. What a beautiful thing that that king did. He, he, he had compassion, Jesus said, for the man. And, and, and he forgave him the debt that he owed. This is, ladies and gentlemen, a perfect illustration of forgiveness. The servant owed a very large debt to the king. The king had every right to expect repayment, but the king voluntarily released the servant from his obligation and in so doing covered the loss himself. We've talked about these logical reasons today why we shouldn't forgive. But now that I understand better what forgiveness is, 
I believe that there are some really strong reasons why we make a choice to forgive. Okay? And if you look on your paper, it says there are four reasons why I should forgive. Four reasons why I should forgive. I'm going to uh, go really quickly. I want you to write these down. That way, if I run out of time, you have the answers. Number one, forgiveness is often the only way to settle a debt, is your answer. Settle a debt. We're going to go through this real quickly. Forgiveness is sometimes the only way to break the endless cycle of hurt and unfairness. Those are your other two words. So forgiveness is the only way to settle a debt. And forgiveness is sometimes the only way to break the endless cycle of hurt and unfairness. Let me just go quickly. Number two, forgiveness frees us to get on with life. Life. If we hold on to an offense, it will affect it. We, in effect, become an emotional hostage. That's your next fill in. Emotional hostage to our offender. I'm coming back to talk about that one. Trust me. Number three, forgiveness is an, is an antidote to needless suffering is your word, suffering. Those who refuse to forgive enter their own private torture chamber. Torture chamber. Sentencing themselves to a lifetime of needless pain. The biblical term for unforgiveness is bitterness. Bitterness. One of the strongest arguments for forgiveness is the consequences of unforgiveness. Consequences is that next fill in. Consequences of unforgiveness. And finally, number four, forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. Mm-hmm. Amen. <clears throat> so much I could say here today. Time isn't isn't uh, on our side. The only way to break this endless cycle of hurt and unfairness is to forgive, ladies and gentlemen. Forgiveness frees you to get on with your life. Amen? But if we hold on to it, if we, if we don't let it go, we, we become an emotional hostage to the one or to the thing that offended us. Please hear what I'm saying. You live your whole life, you live every moment of your day held hostage by your own emotions because of an offense that happened, whether you are deserving or not, right? One of the best reasons for forgiving someone is not what it does for them, but what it does for you. Sir? That's right. I have in my notes, letting go of a rattlesnake might help the snake, but it benefits you also. (laughs) 
to your point. <clears throat> Forgiveness is the antidote for needless suffering. I mean, there's no reason why we should hold our, ourselves to something that's going to cause us this kind of m- emotional pain and misery when we have the key to releasing it, when we have the, 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 the only thing that'll fix it. And that's for us to let it go, to forgive it, to forgive. We'll, we'll take the price, we'll, we'll buy it, we'll forgive it, right? And Jesus, Jesus talking about that. So I mean, he says, he said, our heavenly father will forgive us. Jesus said um, about a story in Matthew 18, 28 through 35. Let me, let me do that real quick. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. Okay, so remember the story, right? The servant's been forgiven of 10,000 pence. And he goes out and he finds someone who owes him a hundred pence. And he lays hands on him. And we're not talking about like we're going to do after a while praying for the sick. That's not, that's not the story here. <laughs> he lays hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow, and the fellow servant who owed him a hundred pence fell down at his feet and besought him saying, please have patience on me. Doesn't it sound very familiar? It ought to be deja vu going on in this man's mind. He said, please, 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 please be patient. I'll pay it to you. And the Bible says the man who just got forgiven of 10,000 pence, who's, who's got a man who owes him a hundred by the throat, the Bible said that he would not and he cast him in the prison until he could somehow pay his debt. But here's what happens when we are unwilling to do what's right. His fellow servants saw what he'd done and they, and they came and told the Lord and the Lord who had just forgiven him called him back in and said, you are wicked. You are a wicked servant. He said, I forgave you of all your debt because you, you, you desired that and you, you asked me and I had compassion. He said, now you should, shouldn't you have compassion on your fellow servant? Even as I have had pity on thee. That's what he said. Then he said, and as the Lord was wroth and delivered him to his tormentors till he should pay all the debt that he owed. So likewise, here it is. Shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. And Jesus, Jesus puts the right at the end, doesn't he, to the story. He said, Heavenly Father will, will do to you if you refuse to forgive. In other words, the laws of God decree that those who refuse to forgive enter their own private torture chambers. Sentencing themselves to a lifetime of needless pain and suffering. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a deep, deep subject. And uh, there's a lot here, and we don't have the time to expound upon each and every one of them. But I want you to take this, and I want you to look at that, and look at the answers, and read these scriptures that are in your, in your, in your um, handouts here. Because with every offense comes a choice. We can hold on to it and become bitter or we can release it and become better. Amen. Let me, let me, let me give you something here. Said, uh, Frederick Buchanan said of the seven deadly sins, 
Anger is probably the most fun. He said, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the, to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are, get, you are given and the pain you are given back. He said, in many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you, while you are wolfing down it is yourself, that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast, he said, is you. The skeleton at the feast is you. Anger. We can't allow it to make us angry, right? Forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. While the pain that someone has inflicted on myself or you is real, we cannot allow it to cause us to sin against God, right? And that should be the ultimate reason why I forgive. Okay, we have spoons full of sugars on the way out, and Mary Poppins is singing. A spoonful of sugar, medicine go down, the medicine go down. God bless you. I love you.